How's, how's this? Good? Sound? Sounds good? Everyone can hear? Okay. Good afternoon. Uh, as Ashley mentioned, I'm Rabbi Scott Houseman Weiss, and uh, uh, my congregation has thoroughly enjoyed our partnership with uh, the Rothko Chapel over the last few years. We've had uh, Shabbat services in this space right where we are seated now. Um, so this, the, air, the space feels very, uh, very comfortable to me, and I, and I know to many of my, uh, many of my congregants. If you can start the day without caffeine, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pain, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when loved ones are too busy to give you time, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, then you are probably a dog. Being human isn't always easy. I think most of the time, when we're honest with ourselves, it can be pretty tough. Not in the first world problems versus third world problems kind of way, but in the fact that all of us are quite schizophrenic. All of us have voices in our heads that are speaking to us all the time, that are judging us, that are comparing, that are spending time creating lots of if-then statements that generally have to do with when I'm going to be happy or when I will have had enough or when I will be content. And the challenge of this is that oftentimes these voices aren't fully part of our consciousness. They're just there, and we assume them to be there, and we assume their presence. I started meditating about 10 years ago. My high school teachers would probably have told you I was meditating in class, but I was just sleeping. But I was always wary of it. It didn't seem to make sense to me, particularly because I presumed that anybody who's meditating is, you know, my image of a meditator was a, you know, a Buddhist monk living away from everything in civilization. But then I happened upon a rabbi who meditates. And she spoke about how meditation for her is practice for life. That it, it isn't only uh, a salve for our minds and bodies and souls in the moment. That it's really about practicing our response. And 
over the course of about six or seven years of meditating, I finally realized that it's actually not about practicing our response, but rather it's about practicing our non-response. Because life is tough sometimes. And the people that we know and love, people who we live with, they don't always say the right thing at the right time. They don't always say anything at the right moment. Or I should say sometimes. And guess what? Neither do we. So it's very auspicious that I was asked to be uh, the leader today. It's auspicious for me and for the Jewish tradition because this is the month of what is called Elul. It's the last month of the Hebrew year. It leads us into the month of Tishrei, the first of which is Rosh Hashanah, which is the holiday about the head of the new year. It's, it's New Year's, basically. And then 10 days later, we have a holiday called Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. What I love about, what I love about the Rothko is that I've been on the calendar to do this today, September 7th, 2016, for about 14 months. <laughs> Very impressed with your planning. But I didn't know that I was the first of this series. So I'm honored. So I'm going to lead us in a meditation, or I'm going to attempt to do so. And I want you to think about some themes that I draw on from my tradition that I believe are very powerful for Jews, but they're powerful for Jews because they are powerful for human beings. Um, so we're in the month of Elul, which is spelled in Hebrew, Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed, which the rabbis of the sages of old teach that it was it's an acronym. It's an acronym for four Hebrew words that I imagine you all are familiar, many of you are familiar with from in, in English. Uh, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Words from Song of Songs. As a reform liberal rabbi, I generally teach that the God language in the Bible is really about interpersonal relationships. But today, at this time of year, I invite us to think about it in terms of our relationship with the divine. Whatever that means to you. So we enter into this month of Elul this time when we are called by the forces of creation, the powers that are beyond our grasp, the source of life. And it invites us in, not into it, but into us. So if you're comfortable doing so, I invite you to close your eyes. At this point, I'm going to lead us through the meditation. I'm going to open with uh, what's called a, a nigun, which is a, a Jewish tune without words. There's two words. Lie, lie. Well, actually, really one word. Anyway, the word is lie, lie. I'm going to sing it. I invite you to join in. I'm going to come back to it so we can all sing together.
来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来来。So I invite you to, if you're not already. Have your feet flat on the ground. And for those who are sitting, plant your, your rear end sort of solidly on its four corners. And those who are sitting on the benches do, do the same. And see if you can pull your shoulders back a bit and your neck back just a bit. So your spinal cord is lined up, right up through your head. And we're going to just focus right now on breath, the center point of all meditation. In Hebrew, the word for breath is neshama. And it's also the word for soul. So when we breathe, Imagine for yourself an effort to draw in your soulfulness, to fill it more deeply. How do you know if it's your soulfulness? If it responds well to the question that you ask yourself, who am I? So we focus on our breath and we draw it in. Draw it in through your nose. Just pull it back to the back of your throat. Imagine it's going to the back of your head. And then draw it down into your belly. And then let it out your mouth into your nose, pulling it back to the back of your head. Watch it trickle down your spinal column, fill up your abdomen, and then let it go. Let's just do that together for a few moments. In through your nose, drawing it back to the back of your head, drawing it down, and then letting it go out your mouth. Keep going. Watch that circle of breath into you and out again. Into you and out again.
Drag it in to your nose. Drawing it to the back of your head. Drawing it down into your belly. And then out your mouth. Each new breath, each new portion of soulfulness, draw in. Drawing in, taking in, accepting. feels very vulnerable. Drawing in. Accepting. Might suggest that we're not enough on our own. that we need something from outside. In the case of breath, it is certainly true. But breath is life. So accepting the gifts that are offered to us each and every day. It is a vulnerable act. Maybe causing us to fear what happens if they go away, these gifts. These people. This creation. But whether we like it or not, just as in breath, we have to let them go in order to receive them again. We can only hold our breath for so long. And you might be right. It might be true that the breath you're holding on to is the best it'll ever be. Until the next breath. So just as drawing in and accepting the gifts, recognizing them, feeling them, being in their presence, 
we have to let them go. The only surety in life is that things will be different next year, next month, next week. Or just within the time it'll take to take another breath. Everything changes. The divine is unwilling to be alone. And we human beings cannot remain impervious to what creation longs to show. Those of us who cannot keep our striving back find ourselves at times within the sight of the unseen and become aglow with its rays. Some of us blush, others wear a mask. Faith is a blush in the presence of God. Life certainly has a way of dealing us hands we weren't expecting. They weren't part of the plan. That weren't how we were writing our book. And take us off track from our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, or our retirement plan, or our professional plan, or our health plan. And then those voices really get going. With judgment. And recrimination. Disappointment. And guilt. all of these voices are simply a part of who we are. They arise in our minds. When we allow them, they'll build a foundation and set up shop and they'll just live there. right in the deep recesses of our corpus callosum. They'll take up residence. 
or or we could see them as wisps of clouds crossing the blue sky on a windy day. Oh, there it is. I know that voice. And then bid it farewell. Let it blow away. Then there are, of course, the voices of hubris who don't allow doubt or worry or self-critique in. Seeing them as imposters. But then, then it's our ego, which has set up shop right there in our brains, guarding the path of any potential shakeup of our foundations. So when those voices come too, We can see them as wisps of clouds as they blow away. For they are not true either. What are your special voices who live with you, whom you know so well? For a few moments in silence, I invite you to identify a few of them, a few of these voices, however you envision them, and watch them fly away like clouds passing by.
A woman was waiting at an airport one night. It was several, hour, several long hours before her flight. She hunted for a book in the airport shops, bought a bag of cookies, and found a place to drop. She was engrossed in her book, but happened to see that the man sitting beside her, as bold as could be, grabbed a cookie or two from the bag in between, which she tried to ignore to avoid a scene. So she munched the cookies and watched the clock as the gutsy cookie thief diminished her stock. She was getting more irritated as the minutes ticked by, thinking, if I wasn't so nice, I'd blacken his eye. With each cookie she took, he took one too. When only one was left, she wondered what he would do. With a smile on his face and a nervous laugh, he took the last cookie and broke it in half. He offered her half as he ate the other. She snatched it from him and thought, oh, brother, this guy has some nerve and he's also rude. Why, he didn't even show any gratitude. She had never known when she had been so galled and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed to the gate, refusing to look back at the thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sank in her seat. Then she sought her book, which was almost complete. As she reached in her baggage, she gasped with surprise. There was her bag of cookies <laughs> in front of her eyes. If mine are here, she moaned in despair, the others were his, and he tried to share. Too late to apologize, she realized with grief that she was the rude one, the ingrate, the thief. So the first part of our meditation was about how we need to let go of those voices. But that doesn't mean that there isn't the need for self-reflection, for self-awareness. And those voices are also the source of that as well that we can turn the schizophrenic voices into self-reflective voices by allowing ourselves to be something which we generally don't like to admit we are human, imperfect, broken, challenged. I've always loved this term in the school system that's so common these days, special needs. And there are certainly different kinds of diagnoses that create significant challenges in many different areas. But the concept that those who aren't named special needs are normal is ridiculous. There is no normal. There's just whatever is in front of us in this moment. So the question for all of us human beings, broken, challenged, special, is can we strive not for excellence, not to be excellent, not to be perfect, not to be the best, but can we just strive to be the hardest thing of all it is the hardest thing because we so much prefer the past or the future those are comfortable places to be because we really 
can't do anything about either of them in terms of really controlling. All we can really do is be here. How do we do that? It comes back to our breath. It comes back to the reminder that my job is to be in this moment. And God knows we have lots of challenges. It's not just about the kids, by the way. Not a lot of 12-year-olds driving cars looking at their phones. So I want to move us to the second part, which is a, uh, it's a chant of a Hebrew prayer that I will translate. Those of you who are not familiar with Hebrew prayer, with the, with the meaning of Hebrew, most of my congregants aren't either, don't worry. I want to invite you to allow yourself to just feel the words. And I will translate them little by little. This prayer in Toto is about reminding ourselves that every single day we awake with pure souls. That while we might have been a jerk yesterday, it means we did something bad. It doesn't mean we are bad. So, I invite you to close your eyes again and join me. on a tour back into ourselves. Not focused on the mind as much, but more on, on the, the soul, which in Yiddish tradition, we identify the source of the soul in our kishkis, which is Yiddish for guts. So if that works for you, Please. O source of creation. The soul in me is pure, a gift. created in me, formed in me, breathed into me. Hey. 
And when I remember this truth, I am a body filled with soul. Mode anile fanecha Adonai Elohai velohe avotai Mode anile fanecha Adonai Elohai velohe avotai Thank you Thank you, source of creation. Thank you. My gratitude deep. My soul rooted. my recognition of my gifts overflowing. Ribon kolamasim Adon kolaneshamot Baruch Adonai Asher beyado nefesh kol chai veruach veruach kol basarish. Wherever I look. power of creation is there. Wherever I look, I can be filled with spirit and energy And sometimes I come up short. Often enough in living my life, I miss the mark. I miss doing what I intended to do. I am misunderstood. I'm tired. And impatient. And frustrated. and moving way too fast. So I breathe. I draw in the breath, a new creative vibrant, life-filled breath that reminds me that I can renew again. That when my buttons get pushed, I don't have to respond 
despite that annoying voice in my head that insists that they made me do it. Or how could I have responded otherwise? It's the principle. We can choose our response. Which at times can be nothing at all. Oftentimes in the heat of the moment, nothing is the best thing we could say. We are imperfect. And we hear voices that remind us of our imperfection and try to talk us into believing that we're the only ones who hear these voices. That everybody else has it together. truth is nobody has it completely together. The ones who do indeed have it more together than others come through a lot of work. In practice. Practice in not responding. us to sing one more time and I want to invite all of you who haven't joined in to lift up your voice. I've been keeping my eyes closed so I don't know who it is and who isn't. So please join me and as we sing give yourself the gift of remembering how it feels right now to take this and draw upon it the next time someone you love says or does something that gets your goat. And it'll happen, I promise. Within about three hours from now.
Go in peace. Good afternoon.